Would you turn this evening to the 34th song? And let's go further into the word this evening. We've been talking for some weeks, and I think we're nearing the uh, end of this particular series for the time. You know, you never really get through. You just unhook for a time. But the Lord's dealing with me about some other areas. And I think we'll need to get on that before too long. But we've been talking for some weeks about the topic we're calling God is good. God is good. You hear it a lot, but not as much revelation on the subject as there could be and needs to be. People will say, yeah, God's a good God, but then they'll turn around and say and imply things that would uh, imply he's not good. He is good. And he does good. He's not a killer. He's not a thief. He's not a destroyer. He's not mean. He's not cruel. He's good. I said he's good. He's really, really good. He's light. And life. And in him is no darkness at all. No death. No darkness. And uh, sure there's a lot of uh, bad things happen in the earth. But don't attribute it to him. Don't blame him for your mistakes. And for all the bad stuff you go through. You know probably one of the most abused phrases and concepts in Christendom and people that don't even claim to know God or serve God is, well, it just must have been the will of God. One of the most abused and misused phrases and concepts. People are all the time talking about, well, it just must have been the will of God or, well, it was God's will and they're assuming that everything that happens is God's will and it's not. I said it's not. All kind of things happen that are not God's will. Someone says, well, he allowed it. If he allowed it, he must have had some purpose in it. No, just because God allows something does not mean it was his will at all. Or that it pleased him. Did you hear me? He allows things Because people allow things. He said to his disciples, I give to you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, or other translations bring out, whatever you forbid or prohibit or disallow on earth will be prohibited, disallowed, bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or permit or allow on earth will be loosed, permitted, allowed in heaven. Is that scripture? Well, then God allows a lot of things because we allow a lot of things. And it's not his will. When his will is done, it's good. What is his will? Heaven. Heaven is the will of God. What's his will for the earth? 
Heaven, exactly the same. He taught us to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, all you got to do when you see something going on and stop and ask, reckon they got that going on in heaven? I don't think so. Well, then it's not the will of God. We read about when everything's restored in the book of Revelation. There's no more sorrow. No more grief. No more crying. No more dying. No disease. Glory to God. No pain. That's the will of God. I said, that's the will of God. And that's the way it was in the beginning before sin messed everything up. So all the stuff that has happened as a result of sin and man's failure is not the will of God and pleasing God. God is good. His will is good. The psalmist said he is good and he does. Good. How many believe God is a good God? He's good all the time. All that he does is good. Good is all he does. Amen. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but that separates us from a lot of other folk that call themselves Christians. (laughs) From a lot of folks. They go, well, well, well. You just never know. This might be the will of God. This bankruptcy. It might be the will of God. This tumor, this cancer. God might be teaching you something through it. This tornado that tore up your house. You know, God is teaching. Well, these people that are always talk about God teaching them something. They never tell you what they're learning. And you would think, man, hurry up and learn it. So you can get out of it. No. It's religious deception. It's not true. It's the thief. The devil. Who comes to steal. And to kill and destroy. And it's mankind's sin. And rebellion and disobedience. And unbelief and ignorance and fear. That keeps the door open. To the destroyer. Aren't you glad you're learning a few things about how to shut the door and how to believe God and obey God and live the good life which he had predestined and foreordained and made ready for us to live, the Amplified says. Psalm 34. The Bible said, and I'm going to skip down to verse 8 because, you know, I feel like I have to preach on every verse, so... Verse 8, how does it start off? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. One translation says, uh, the English says, find out for yourself. How good the Lord is. I mean, somebody is talking about some good cooking, and they're cooking in the kitchen, or they're tasting eating, and they're going, mm, 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 mm. Man, that tastes like this. And they, you only want to hear about that so long. And then what do you want? Give me a taste, right? Let me taste for myself. Words only go so far. 
And let me taste for myself. You know, we're to be that way concerning our Lord, our God, the life of faith. We're not to try to hard sell people and push things off on them. In fact, go to the book of John real quickly here. You might hold your place in Psalms if you hadn't already lost it, but go to John. This is the first part of the book of John. And in verse chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus turned and saw two individuals following him, and he said, what are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master, where do you live? And he said to them, what? Hmm? He didn't give them an address. He didn't give them a description. He gave them an invitation to come and see for themselves. And what did it say they did? They came and saw, and so they stayed for the day. Well, verse 43, the day following, Jesus would go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip finds Nathanael, and he said to him, we have found him. We found him. Of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, it's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip started quoting scriptures and explaining the doctrine of the Messiah to him. Huh? What did he say? Somebody said out loud. Come and see. Man, I hear y'all go for three hours over there at that Faith Life Church service and don't even care. Come see. I hear that y'all talk in tongues. We don't believe in that. Should you get embroiled in a debate about the scriptures? Come and see. Hmm? We're not asking you to commit to anything. See if you like it or not. Free trial. (laughs) No obligation. Right? (laughs) Hey, y'all believe in healing and y'all lay hands on folk. People fall under the power. I've heard all kinds of things. Come see. I hear God's blessed you at your house. I hear he got a new car. I heard you paid this off. And I hear, you know, that your, somebody said they went to your house the other day and ate a meal. They said there was so much peace there. It's just like heaven on earth. <laughs> Come and see. Come and see for yourself. See, we're not about the business of convincing someone intellectually. We desire that they experience God. For themselves. Taste and see. Taste for yourself. And see that he is good. And once you do, we won't have to tell you. You won't have to be asking us. How many can testify? Maybe last year or a few years ago or five years ago, you weren't involved in some of these things. But now you have been and you're getting results. Nobody has to tell you now. You don't need any talking into anything. It's like somebody trying to come tell you there's no water in that pool. But when you're doing the backstroke, 
it's hard for anybody to convince you. And the water, the water has passed away. There's no more water in the pool in this dispensation. You're wet. And nobody can tell you ain't no water in the pool. It's beyond intellectual dispute. You're wet. And when you come and see for yourself, when you get healed for yourself, you get filled for yourself. That's it. It's out of the realm of debate. I'm not interested in debating. You know, people try to make doctrinal issues. And they divide over doctrinal issues, but it really is hypocrisy. It's, uh, you know, none of us are right about everything. Not you. (laughs) Not me. Boy, y'all getting quiet on this. (laughs) The apostle, Paul the apostle, I should say, caught up to the third heaven, used to pin major portion of the New Testament. He says, we know in part. What does that mean? There's parts you don't know. And because of that, you could be wrong on something. Nobody you know, now what preachers you've sat under, ministers, nobody you know is 100% correct about everything they've ever said. Because we only know in part. Let me tell you what's more important. The spirit of a man. The spirit of a woman. What's more important is love. What's more important is faithfulness. Can you say amen? You see churches, you see denominations fight and divide and fall apart. You see friends fall out with each other. But it doesn't have to be. I said it doesn't have to be. And then people want you to choose sides. You with them or with us? (laughs) You know the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 3. He said you're carnal because there's strife and division among you. Some are saying I'm a Paul. Some are saying I'm of Apollos. Some are saying I'm of Peter. Some said I ain't of none of them. I'm of Jesus. You know, that bunch is just as carnal as the other ones. We don't need anybody. Just me and Jesus. (laughs) I lost a few people on that one, I guess. Because they were all primed to say, well, that's my answer. No, no. You are of the body. You are part of the body. Jesus is the head of the body. You can't say, I'm part of Jesus, but not part of the body. He's the head of the body. And I like what he said in correcting them about their separating off into their groups. He said, all things are yours. I'm yours. Apollos is yours. Peter is yours. You got all of us. You don't have to pick. This is how I believe. I don't have to pick. Phyllis and I stood, this has been back in the early 80s. God had just let us go to a church and be a speaker. This is up in New England. In a church that had not had a speaker outside of their denomination in 50 years. 
Very, very formal, huge stone cathedral, stained glass. From the moment I got there, I thought, what am I doing here? (laughs) Wow. And they had committees for their committees. And they wanted me to meet with a certain committee and discuss what I was going to preach. And then that was going to be submitted to another committee to see if they approved. And then we were supposed to meet with another committee after I spoke to discuss what I spoke on. That was approved by the committee. (laughs) But it was very, very formal. And in fact, uh, the leader said at a certain particular, he said, now, if you gentlemen would like to remove your coats at this point, it was hot. There was no air conditioning. Then you could do so now. Now's the appropriate time. No amens. No hallelujahs. And we had a healing meeting. And we had a call to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And people were filled in the altar. And they spoke in tongues quietly. And I'm standing on the steps, the big stone steps, that Sunday morning. This was after the night that we'd had that service. And it was so precious. I'm standing beside the pastor. and They're coming out and they're shaking my hands. And I mean, this is the... Uh, what's the word for it, but reserved type of operation and very traditional, very traditional. And people would take my hand and not just one or two, but several. They took my hand and they'd lean in and they'd go, I enjoyed that. And I got healed last night. <laughs> he said, uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Moore. And I just want you to know, I spoke in tongues last night. <laughs> I just say, praise God. (laughs) And so, God has always done that with us. I mean, some of the places we've wound up, just only God could have done it. But there's been more than once I've had people ask me and say, well, you went to so-and-so? You spoke for them? I said, yeah. They said, well, I happen to know that they got problems up there. I said, well, that might be one reason the Lord had sent me. Help them out, right? But having you run into some politics early on, it got so strong in my spirit until one day I came in and I talked to Phyllis about it. We stood up in our little home, took hands and stood before the Lord. I said, we're going to do this. I said, Lord, before you, we're saying it. We will never choose sides for one against another in your body and in your kingdom. We will not do it. I can have more than one friend. Are you listening? I can be a part of more than one ministry and more than one church. And we don't have to agree on everything. To love each other. And to walk in unity. And we've endeavored to hold to that. Watch out for the devil. He is a divider. I said he's a divider. When you see things dividing and strife and hurting and separation, you know the devil's in the middle of it. Did you hear me? Don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of it. Which one you're a part of? We love everybody. 
You say, well, you're just idealistic. I've had people tell me, well, you have a responsibility to comment about what other people believe and what they teach. Said who? I don't read about any Holy Ghost police. <laughs> They're supposed to go around and police the body Amen. and examine and critique people's doctrine. There is one who judges. There is one. And it ain't me. And it ain't you. A lot of folk judging. And there's something that follows on to that. You know what happens after you judge? You will be judged. And you won't enjoy it. So if you're smart, when you're tempted to judge, you'll have nothing to say. What do you think about so-and-so? What do you think about that? I think I love them. (laughs) And I'm praying for them. I want to see them do good. Amen? Amen. What about so-and-so? I've had people just push me. I've had people invite me out supposedly to eat, and that's what it was for. I've had people invite me to be a part of a meeting, and it was only to do that, to corral me and push me. And say, "Well, well, tell me what you think about that. And I said, nothing. They said, no, I know you do, so just tell me. I said, no, I don't allow myself. Amen. It's none of my business. So I got nothing to say. God. Well, no, you do, and you need to, because you have a voice, and you're supposed to. And who are you? <laughs> Telling me what I need to do? Amen. You got all these people that are hearing from God about what you need to do. <laughs> I got a voice and I got a place, but you got to hear from God for me to tell me what to do with that place. Wonder how in the world we got that place. Not knowing how to hear from God any better than that. Amen, oh me, or hallelujah. (laughs) Said out loud, I love the whole body of Christ. And I'm not a judge. Amen. Amen. How do we get into all that? Go with me to Genesis 49. Did we read the last verse I had you turn to? What was it? Yeah, you read that. Sure you did. Y'all already forgot. Genesis 49. Moving right along. Can you have more than one friend? Man, there's a lot. Never talk bad about a denomination or a group of people. You don't know all those people. And never, you know, even think you know what somebody taught and you didn't even hear what they taught. You're hearing something third and fourth hand. No. Don't presume. Don't assume. There's a lot of good people in a lot of churches that some people just written off because it's a such and such church. Well, they don't know God. They could put you to shame in a lot of areas. No, always be, you know, we talk about prejudice. And when you say prejudice, usually people think about color. And they think about black, white, whatever. But prejudice goes far and wide 
there are people that are prejudiced against any particular kind of church that they think believes this or that. There are people that are prejudiced against educated people. There are people prejudiced against uneducated. Uh, just because you're from a certain part of the country. You know, especially uh, there are times in past years where I went to certain places up in the Northeast and opened my mouth and they heard my accent and assumed I was ignorant. Because I had a drawl. Big mistake. I was in a place up in the Northeast another time and, and uh, I was the only Caucasian fellow there. And somebody asked me where I grew up, and I told them Mississippi. And about half of them looked at me sideways, like, but his daddy was in the Klan. <laughs> well, my daddy wasn't in the Klan. How <laughs> many understand you're a fool to judge a whole group of people, and you don't know 99% of them? Based on one common characteristic, you're a fool. If you do that, and we're not fools around here at Faith Life Church, right? We, no matter who we meet, we don't care where they come from or where they say their church is or their background. We don't know them, but we're expecting the best. They're going to have to prove us wrong. Thank you, Lord. The New Testament commandment, what is it? Huh? Love, check one another's doctrine out. Make sure it's right. And if it don't, cut them off. If it don't pass your test, then mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. love one another. I'm trying to get through this other part here. Genesis 49, are you there? Well, before you read that, Go to James. This all flows together. Go to James. Said out loud, I love everybody. Even if they don't love me. I love everybody. Their doctrine doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be like mine. I still love them. Would you acknowledge that you don't know everything? And you might not be right about everything? Doctrinally? (laughs) Your doctrine, your doctrine, yours, might be off on some points and spots. (laughs) Lord, help me. James 3. 13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, good way and manner of life, his works with meekness of wisdom. The Bible said the Pharisees, the leaders, doctors of the law, they came and demanded of Jesus about doctrinal points. And you can tell right away a wrong spirit when people approach you that way and demand, what is your position on this? Demand, what is your belief on They are of a wrong spirit. They are of a strife-causing, discord-causing spirit, which the Lord 
hates. And they don't realize the Lord's a lot more concerned about love and peace than he is doctrinal correctness. And uh, he said here, if a man is right and a man is wise, you'll see it out of his lifestyle in meekness of wisdom. He goes on in this passage talking about this kind of wisdom. He said, this wisdom, well, excuse me, verse uh, 14, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion And every evil work, the Lord said to me one time, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And he charged me. Anything that was under my hand, I was to absolutely allow none of it. We endeavor to impress to everybody that comes on as an employee, everybody that comes on as a volunteer in any part. There is no justifiable excuse for strife. You can get pulled. You can get let go. You can get removed from your place quickly for strife. And it's because I have a charge. The Lord's holding me responsible for not letting the devil get in this and tear it up. We're supposed to have the Holy Ghost manifesting himself in our midst. Not the devil. If, he's, if the Holy Ghost is manifesting himself, it's not going to be all this confusion and arguing and fussing and debating. That's the enemy. That's every evil work. It's evil. And their people, bless their hearts, they're deceived. But they push stuff. They'll just push it and push it and push it until a wedge is driven between friends and family. And the enemy knows that a house divided will fall. That's what he's out to do. And it's sad that so many millions are foolish enough to let him do it. They'll just cooperate and just get so huffy and bent out of shape and separate from each other and not even talk to each other for years. So ignorant. So ignorant. And sometimes wake up at the end of their life and realize what a fool they've been. And what they did and what they forfeited and gave up and for what? To say I was right about this doctrinal point. Ignorant. These are people who don't know God very well. Because if you know him, you know he's love. And he loves his family. He loves all his family. No matter how wrong you are about what you think. He loves you. You're his child. And if you love God, you love the family too. You love his children too, don't you? He said, verse 17, but the wisdom that's from above. Let me say it like this. The revelation that's from above. Is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy 
and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Thank you, Master. Did you hear this word, peace? Peace. 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 Now, this was my point for this evening. And you see it in Genesis. In fact, turn there if you've still got your place there. Genesis 49. God's good. Isn't he? Is debate and strife good? Is confusion good? People getting separated and arguing and fighting and being out of shape. And hurt feelings. and Is any of that good? None of that's good. Well, then it's not God. If it's not God, why would we do it? What are we supposed to be standing for? What are we taking such a stance about? To cause and perpetuate these things if it's not good and it's not God. Genesis 49. Genesis. So said, well, Brother Keith is trying to talk about such and such. No, I'm talking about just exactly what I want to. I'm not trying to. There's no coded message here. There's no... Tell you the truth, I don't know half of what I'm talking about. (laughs) And have lived long enough and gone long enough, don't want to know. Don't, so don't tell me. Don't want to know. It actually is to my benefit many times that I can look at people and go, I don't know. (laughs) Hadn't heard about it. Sometimes they look at me shocked like, I'm sure you have. No. Had opportunity to, but I chose not to. And then just stay happier that way. Huh? Well, you're not up. You're not up on the latest. Thank God. (laughs) And I'm happy too. Genesis 49, 15. I want you to notice this first phrase here. And he what? He saw what? That rest was good. What's good? God is good. And I have found a strong connection in the word to good and rest. Good and rest. Said out loud, rest. Is good. Well, then it must be of God. Because God is good. And so rest is good. Rest is the will of God. What if you're in turmoil? What if you're in distress? We live in a chronically fatigued generation. We live in a society where half the phraseology and the greetings are about how tired people are and how busy they are and how worn out they are and how all they got all this stuff going and they just hadn't got time to rest, hadn't got time to rest. And you can see it, man, they, just, they look tired. People just look tired because they are tired. And it's not good. It's not good. People say, well, the time is short and we have to work for the Lord. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to be tired for the Lord. 
Working for the Lord and being tired for the Lord are not the same thing. Hmm? Go to Matthew 11, but on your way there, stop by Jeremiah 6. Jeremiah 6, Matthew 11. Can you take a little more this evening? Just listen and believe. Don't try to figure everything out. Just listen and believe. What do you believe, Brother Keith? I'm telling you. <laughs> Love God. Love everybody and be happy. <laughs> Have we got to straighten people's doctrine out? No. No. What if they're wrong? <laughs> There's a lot of wrong around. A lot of people are wrong about a lot of things, including you. Do we really think we're going to straighten everybody out? We'd have to know ourselves before we could straighten anybody out. <laughs> I've had people look at me and it, it, you can see it aggravated them because they wanted to fuss. And they said, well, I don't believe in that speaking in tongues. I said, well, I do. Well, I don't believe it. I said, okay, you won't be bothered with it. <laughs> Well, I don't believe it, and I want, to, I want to prove to you, and I said, no, no, I don't want you to prove to me, and I won't try to prove to you. I'll just talk in tongues, and you won't. <laughs> but I don't believe it's for everybody. Well, obvious. But we don't have to fight about it, do we? People want to fight. There are people who like to fight. They want to fight. I've had people wait on me after the service at my car. And I thought they were going to try to hit me. I've had people so mad, just spitting, fighting mad. This one guy was mad because I kept using the word rich. Rich. That it was God's will for you to be rich. Man, he was so mad. He could spit. He said, that ain't right. That ain't the Bible. That's covetous. I said, which verse ain't the Bible? Which verse are you talking about? I quoted several that had the word rich in it. Which one of them you don't like? <laughs> oh, he was, he didn't even hear it. It just, I said, look, brother, I'm not trying to make you believe anything. Go on your way. Believe what you want to. You believe it's God's will for you to be poor. I said, okay. I don't believe that. You want to try to make me believe what you believe? You'll be poor. I'll be rich. <laughs> I'll be happy being rich, and I hope you could be happy being poor. <laughs> but see, people don't want that. They don't want that. They want to fight. Yeah. They want to be mean. They want to be ugly. Yeah. They want you to get embroiled with them, try to prove to them, try to convince me. Phyllis used to work for a particular company that dealt with insurance companies. And uh, part of her job was to get on the phone with adjusters and talk about things. She was doing this with this guy one time. And he starts telling her, correct me if I leave some of this out or get it wrong, that uh, he was dating this girl that was crazy. They had to just, they're on hold on the phone waiting on something. And, and he just, he don't know her. He's never seen her. And he just starts telling her about this girl he's dating. It's crazy. She went to this church. And they speak in some kind of strange language. 
and weird, crazy. Asked her if she ever heard about that. She said, yeah, she was one. <laughs> well, then he gets all spiritual on her. And he wants to, you know, tell her that he's had all these people try to lead him to the Lord. And he ain't having any of it. And all these people prayed for him. And he guessed now she wants to pray for him. And she said, no. No. He said, huh? She said, no, you want to go to hell? I guess you'll go. (laughs) Well, see, that ain't what he wants. He wants you to argue with him and beg him to get saved. And so he goes into this big tirade about, he thinks he might even be the Antichrist. (laughs) Well, what good would it do to pray for the Antichrist, you know? So eventually she says, you know, she just, she didn't, you know, fishing requires different approaches. The fish has got to want the bait. You don't just slap the bait on the fish and go, bite it. (laughs) No, there needs to be something that draws the fish. The fish got to want it. And so he said, so you going to pray for me now? And she said, no, I ain't praying for you. I got too much else to pray about. She said, you already made up your mind. I guess you'll go to hell. <laughs> but see, that ain't what people want. They want you to argue. And before it was over with, he's asking her, would you pray for me? <laughs> no, come on. I need prayer. <laughs> Don't give people what they expect. This, you know, they come on in strife and confusion and you get embroiled in the strife and confusion. Want to argue, they get upset, you get upset. That's being carnal, just as carnal and ungodly as them. Don't do that. Be above it. Walk in love. Walk in grace. I don't care if they're fighting, spitting mad. You just smile and go, well, that's one person's opinion. That's what you believe. Okay. I don't believe that, but hey. I love you. Let's don't be mad. Let's don't be mean. Let's don't let strife get in here. Okay. Okay. You don't believe that. Okay. All right. The world's still turning. God's still on the throne. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of things that are going to happen the way they're supposed to happen, no matter what you believe. A lot of things. A lot of things concerning prophecy. A lot of things concerning the scripture. They're going to happen the way they're supposed to happen. No matter what you or I teach about it or preach about it. Or what we think we believe about it. We ought to focus on the things that we can change with our faith. Did you hear me? And major on that. And we're going to learn a lot of things. Over the next few decades and centuries. And a whole bunch of preachers are going to go. Wow. So that's the way it's going to happen. <laughs> and all your fussing and arguing. Would have been for nothing. Can you say amen? amen. Jeremiah 6. Well. This is interesting tonight. Jeremiah 6, 
We read this, but I want us to read it again. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the what? The good way and walk in it. And what will happen when you find the good path and you walk in it? What will happen? You'll find rest for your souls. Now they said we won't do it, but we say we will. When you find the good thing, what kind of effect does it have on you? (sighs) Glory to God, this is it. This is it. No more confusion. No more anxiety. When you find the thing that is God, you find the thing that is good. When you find the thing that is good, rest comes with it. Peace comes with it. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh man, this will help you so much in being led by the Spirit. You start into a thing and the more you go, the more upset you are about it. The more seemingly lost and you just, you're more agitated. The more you have to deal with it. You're going the wrong way. This is the wrong way. This is not the good thing. The good thing is peace. And rest. And the further you go, it just gets brighter. And brighter until the full day's sun. And the strength and the peace just gets stronger and stronger. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud. Good. Good. Rest. Rest is good. There's rest in good. When you get in the good, you get in the rest. Go to Matthew 11. What's good? Rest is good. We're not ready for Matthew 11. Put your ribbon there or something. And go to to Psalm 106. And I'm just going to read some things to you. And we'll also, I'll try to condense this down to a smaller amount here. Why are so many believers so tired and so weary? Let me give you a couple of reasons. The Bible says in Luke, don't turn there, you're going to Psalm 106. I'm trying to condense this. The disciples, you know, when he asked them to pray, they fell asleep instead of praying. It said they were exhausted from sorrow. The NEB says they were worn out by grief. Exhausted from sorrow. Psalm 6.6 in the NIV says, I am worn out from groaning. Grief, sorrow will wear you out. It will fatigue you. Beyond your physical limits. I don't care how strong a physical frame you are. How good a health you're in. How good a shape you're in. It will fatigue you to the point of death. The Bible said the sorrow of the world worketh death. Is it okay for you and I to grieve over things? 
You know, there are a lot of people that call this spiritual. They'll just grieve over what's happening to this one and grieve over what's happening to that one. And they just grieve over it and they sorrow over it and they call themselves praying over it. But it's all in grief. And so they always got these big rings under their eyes. And they're so sad and they're so weak and they're so fatigued. And they think it's an honorable thing that they do it because of the prayer ministry that they're carrying. But a grieving prayer, and I'm talking about perpetually, is a weak prayer. The scripture said, don't sorrow, don't grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're going to get spiritual business done. You must be strong. And to be strong, you must have joy. You got to have joy. Joy. Don't get caught up in the deception that you're grieving because you're more spiritual than other people. You're more aware of all the problems and troubles. Do you think God is depressed on the throne tonight? Do you think Jesus is full of sorrow and grieving and that's all he can do because there's so many problems. I mean, he knows all the problems that are in the earth. No. If they did, they'd be weak. And they're not weak. Hallelujah. Sorrow wears you out. It fatigues you. Somebody says, well, I I lost a loved one. Did they go to heaven? Then you can't sorrow for them. Hmm? And if heaven's real to you, and your faith is real to you, you can't sorrow much either. Oh, yeah, somebody's close to you. You can shed some tears. You can miss them. But you will not grieve Week after week. And be incapacitated if you have faith. If heaven's real to you. If God's real to you. You didn't lose them. They just moved. You'll see them soon. We're all out of here in a few days. One way or another. Death. Just death. Death is not supposed to scare us. It's not supposed to move us. It's not supposed to shake us. We're supposed to be able to stand by the graveside. And say, death, where's your victory? Hmm? We're supposed to be able to be sassy. At the graveside. Look death in the face and go, you don't scare us. This ain't the end. You don't scare us. One of these days, they'll be putting you in that box. No, they won't. Ain't nobody ever put me in a box. Uh-uh. You might put this old body in there, but I'll come by and pick it up later too. Uh-uh. So why should we sorrow like those who have no hope? Why should we be fatigued? You see people, bless their hearts, their cat die. Or their dog. And they're incapacitated for two years. Can't go to work for three months. Can't fellowship with their friends. Well, they were closer to me than any of my kin folks. 
Well, I appreciate you enjoying your cat, but uh, you need to wake up to the fact that your life is lacking. And if your life ain't worth living without your cat, then you didn't have much of life while the cat was here. And what people do is they give a cat, a dog, a person, a place in their heart and life that only God should have. You can't live without this or that. That ain't right. Don't ever say it. Well, I don't know. I couldn't live without so-and-so. I couldn't live without my husband. I couldn't live without my wife. I couldn't live without mom or daddy. Don't say such a thing. God is your life. And in him you are complete and strong enough. In him. You don't have to have another human to live. He's your life. Yeah, you might miss him, but you don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Can you say amen? You're, in, you're holding two places. You want another one? Ecclesiastes. Hey, see, when you get several fingers in the Bible, but we're getting in the Word now. Hey, see. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 8. Let me back up and get a little more of this. Go back to the fifth chapter of Ecclesiastes and just read the, uh, the 12th verse. Ecclesiastes 5, 12. There is healing... For insomnia in the building tonight. There is deliverance from sleep disorders of all types and kinds in the room tonight. We're going to read some word. We're going to pray some prayer. And you're going to be different. If you'll receive it. And if you're willing to make some adjustments and changes. You can be free. There's no reason why you are not able to sleep. This is also the cause of a large number of physical problems. When you don't sleep, it causes havoc in your body. It causes problems in your mind, your mental ability and stability, your immune system. And especially when it goes week after week and month after month. And you say, well, I... You know, it's just me, I, I can't sleep, or I, I sleep an hour or two and I wake up and I can't go back to sleep. That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. And it's not okay for you to make excuses and live like that. Doesn't mean you're special. It means you need to be healed and delivered. Well, I only require two hours a night. No, you need more than two hours a night. Rest is good. It's good. He said, verse 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. A lot of good things here. Some people have difficulty sleeping because they don't have enough physical activity. I'm serious. All they do is sit behind a computer all day or sit on the couch when they get home or sit at the restaurant table. 
This is a word from the Lord now. Get to walking. Get to moving. Do some exercise. Exert yourself physically. It'll help you sleep. A laboring man. Sleep is sweet. He worked out in the field all day. You ain't got to sing him to sleep, man. (laughs) He just gets close to the bed. He's like, oh. And he's out like a light and sleeps like a baby. What about this other guy? Why isn't he sleeping? Huh? What's going on? He's worrying about his money and all of his investments. Mental activity. He's laying there and he's worried about that fear. Fear. Boy, I wonder if that guy's trying to rip me off. Fear. I wonder if that was a good investment or not. Fear. wonder what the market's going to do on that. Fear. wonder about this. wonder about the price of that. What's going to happen on that? Do I need to sell now or wait a week? Man, I hope I don't do the wrong thing. And he's not sleeping. Why? Because he's not in faith. Faith will cast the care of it over on the Lord and roll over and go to sleep. Can you say amen? Amen. Trying to think of everything and figure out everything. Go over to the 8th chapter. There's answers here tonight. 8 verse 14. There is a vanity. That's a useless thing. Which is done on the earth. There be just men to whom it happens according to the work of the wicked. And wicked to whom it happens according to the work of the righteous. And I said this is vanity. Then I commended mirth. Because a man has no better thing under the sun than to eat. And to drink. And to what? Be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life. Which God gives him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business Somebody say business. That is done upon the earth. For there is that that neither day nor night sees sleep with his eyes. Because of what? All the business. And that's on their mind. And I beheld all the work of God. That a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out. He'll not find it. Yea further though a wise man think to know it. He shall not be able to find it. What does that mean? You are not going to figure it all out. So go to sleep. There comes a point where it is no longer profitable. All you're doing is hashing and rehashing the same old stuff and you don't have answers and you don't know and all you're doing now is hurting yourself. I know there were some things in ministry some years ago and I knew there was supposed to be a transition and a change and I didn't know which way to go and it weighed on me and I, you know, I thought about it and thought about it and the more I thought about it, the less resting I'm doing. And after several days, this is wearing on me. And I'm tired and I'm weary. And I think I'm spiritual. Because this is the plan of God. i got to find out about it. And finally, I'm, I'm quiet in a room. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And he spoke up inside me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. But this is what he said to me, real clear to my mind. He said, don't think, Pray. Don't think, 
Pray. Well, how are you going to pray and don't know what to think? Thank God for praying in the Spirit. How many remember Isaiah said, this is. Huh? This is the refreshing. Whereby you may cause the weary to rest. Oh, I got it. I got it. I thought, boy, what's wrong with you? You know better than this. So I quit trying to figure it out. And I started praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. And I'd be tempted. Try to figure it out. I said, no, quit. Quit. Quit that. Pray. Don't just think. Pray. Though a man think he's going to find it out and figure it out, you are never going to find out everything in this life. And to lay there and fret and worry, what do you do? You cast your care on the Lord and you pray. And I noticed after I'd prayed in the Spirit for about an hour, I began to get a release in my spirit. I began to feel better. I began to feel lighter about it. I still didn't know in my head, but I knew in my spirit answers are coming. I will know. See, I'm getting out of unbelief and I'm getting into faith now. Okay, I don't know anything more in my head than I did. But I know God's helping me. I'm praying out the perfect will of God. I'll see it. I'll know it. I'll get it. And he did. And I did. And we're still here. I didn't get it by figuring it out. You know, when you go through a file and you can't find it. So you go through it again. And you can't find it. So you go through it again. Another 392 times. And every time you go through it, you're getting more frustrated. I, I, I can't find it. I can't find it. I've looked through this file 893 times for the last six months now, and I can't find it. What might you deduce? <laughs> it ain't there. So quit looking for it there. And there's a whole lot of stuff that just ain't there in your head. In your noodle. It ain't there. And you can rack your little brain. And you can lay awake night after night. And you can look for it and look for it. And you ain't never going to find it. Because it ain't there. It ain't even there. <laughs> but there's somebody inside you. Oh, the greater one who knows everything about everything. And if you'll get in faith. He'll give you utterance and you'll pray out mysteries. And you can just pray and pray and pray and then roll over and go to sleep and sleep sweet like a baby. And get up in the morning, your head not know anything more than the night before, but your heart says, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God's going to show us. We'll see it. We'll know. And not be tired every day. Glory to God. Where are you? What are in Psalms are you holding? I want us to work our way up to that. Psalm 3. <laughs> some of you, and some of you need to write these next verses down. Now, you need to write these down. If you don't have a pen and a paper, you need to get one right now. Particularly if you have had difficulty sleeping. These are the words that have the power to deliver you. 
And you're going to need to get them inside you. And you're going to need to speak them over yourself. Tonight and tomorrow and the days to come. Some other people need to write them down. Because you're going to need them to help somebody else. Here sooner than later. Psalm 3. Psalm 3 and verse 5. Well, verse 4. I cried to the Lord with my voice. And he heard me. Out of his holy hill. I laid me down. And what? Tossed and turned. and Uh uh. I laid me down. And slept. I awaked. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid. That's why sleeping so good. Of ten thousand people that have set themselves round about me. Thank you, Lord. The New Living says, I lay down and slept. I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. Now receive these words tonight, friend. Don't think it's late and don't be tired. This is now time to receive. Is there power in these words to bring to pass what they say? Can you receive this word for yourself? I lay down and I slept and I woke up safely for the Lord. Was watching over me. While I was sleeping. He was watching over me. The English version says. Now get this. I lie down. And sleep. And all night long. The Lord protects me. I sleep all night long. And the Lord protects me all night long. Somebody say all night long. All night long. Go over to Psalm 4, 8, just maybe on the same page. 4 and 8. What does it say? Now here's a word of confession here. I will both lay me down. That means you need to lay down. Turn the TV off. And go lay down. Lay down. Close your eyes. Don't just think. Pray. Fellowship with God. And say. I will lay myself down. In peace. And I'll sleep. For you Lord only. Make me dwell. In safety. The English version says, when I lie down, I go to sleep in peace. You alone, O oh Lord, keep me perfectly safe. Moms, dads, there are occasions you need to sit down by the bedside and read these to your children. Read them out loud over them. Hmm? Put these words in your child's mouth. I can't sleep. When I go to sleep, I have bad dreams. Never say it again. This is what you say. Even if they wake up from a bad dream they've had and they're crying, as soon as you comfort them, you put these words in their mouth. I lay myself down in peace. 
and sleep. Of course, it helps if you don't have uh, heavy metal music blasting in the bedroom next door. Hmm? Because your teenager wants their rights. Mm -mm. That ain't rights. That's wrongs. I'll lay me down in peace and sleep. Yeah, but there might be some new emails on the computer. Turn that thing off. It'll be there tomorrow. Rest, peace, sleep. For you, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 121. 121. Say these words belong to me. Just a couple more and I'm going to let you go. So you can go home. And lay yourself down. In peace. And sleep. Rest is good. Rest is good. Psalm 121. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, which has made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keeps me, you'll put your name in there, will not slumber. That's so I can. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. He watches over me all night long so I can sleep. He's working it out while I'm sleeping. Psalm 127. 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes up, he gets up and reports to his post in vain for nothing. If the Lord's not keeping it. And it is vain... For you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. Get up early so you can worry about it. Stay up late so you can sorrow and be upset about it. It's completely useless. You can be sleeping. It's vain to get up early and sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved Sleep. Say, I'm his beloved. He gives me sleep. My sleep is sweet. I don't worry. I don't fear. I rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. So what if I can't sleep? You read these verses out loud. And you do them. What if I still can't sleep? You read them again. And do them. Proverbs 3. 21. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. There will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then shall you walk in your way safely... Your foot shall not stumble when you lie down. So you do need to lie down. 
You do need to get away from your desk, turn your computer off. Get out of your chair and turn the TV off. You do need to go to the bed and lay down and turn everything off and go lay down. When you lay down, you shall not be afraid. Yea, you shall lie down and your sleep shall be sweet. It is written. Glory to God. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.